week 21 of the Aggressive Progressive with Chris Hahn. Week 20 was by far our best week. Thank you for your support and keep telling people and give us a positive rating if you like us because, you know, a couple of the Fox News haters out there have been uh, giving me some bad reviews. I either have a five star or a one star from everybody who's rated me. There's nothing in the middle. So if you like me, please give me a five and tell a friend and keep downloading it. All right, back to work. Labor Day is past us. Time to get real. Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. You and I as citizens have the obligation to shape the debates of our time, not only with the votes we cast, but with the voices we lift. The people are looking for honest answers, not easy answers. The very word secrecy is repugnant. Clear leadership. And we are as a people. Not false claims and evasiveness and politics as usual. Opposed to secret society. But ours was a nation of the ballots, not the bullet. And a secret procedure. As a people, we cannot afford to let any group of citizens or any individual citizens live or labor under conditions which are injurious to the commonwealth. Black, white, Latino, Asian, Native American, young, old, gay, straight, men, women, folks with disabilities, all pledging allegiance under the same proud flag to this big, bold country that we love. That's what I see. That's the America I know. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. There is nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by what is right with America. All right. Happy September, America. Ready to get back to business, back to work. As we count down towards the Iowa caucuses that are not very far away, America. But I got to uh, send my thoughts to everybody in the path of Hurricane Doria, which is barreling towards Florida, may hit Georgia, South Carolina concerned so uh you know let's see what happens but uh you know keep in mind that there are a lot of people who are very 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 concerned and should be very concerned right now uh about what's going on uh with the weather and of course uh our fearless leader donald trump uh his golf games were canceled his trip to poland was canceled and you know he's acting like he's never heard of a category five hurricane before uh even though this is the fourth one that's happened uh, since he's been president and I you know to his you know to be consistent he has been consistent to be fair uh, every time a hurricane five uh, is named a category five is named he says so oh, I've never heard of a category five hurricane before uh. well you know this is what we get right we got a president who's not intellectually curious who thinks that climate change is a hoax perpetrated by the Chinese America <laughs> it's times like these that should give you pause that this man is in charge. More importantly, it should give you pause that this man has not named permanent secretaries of Homeland Security or even administrators of FEMA who are in charge of the response to events like these. That in and of itself should bother you, but what should bother you even more is that this administration, last week, in the middle of hurricane season, decided to take 
$130 million from FEMA's emergency response budget and put it towards border security. Now, if you live in Florida and things go bad, remember that because Florida is a swing state. Now, I know that this man will spend every single dime in the treasury to get Florida back up and running as quickly as possible because he knows it's a swing state. But will he do the same for you, South Carolina? He pretty much thinks he has you in his pocket. And this hurricane is coming towards you, too. He might be very quick to help Georgia, since Georgia seems to be starting to turn purple. But South Carolina, deep red South Carolina, home of Lindsey Graham, the president's golf buddy, lapdog Lindsey, as I like to call him. Which is sad because it's a, you know, it's a it's a slap to any lap dogs, but lapdog Lindsay, you know, are you going to call for your aid? Because it's not as important. Got you in his pocket. I just hope you're paying attention, America, and I hope that this president does what he needs to do to respond to this storm. You know, earlier last week. The president was criticizing Puerto Rico and the mayor of San Juan as it looked as if this hurricane was going to smash into Puerto Rico uh, as a Category 3. It didn't. It turned north. It missed Puerto Rico. Thank God, because Puerto Rico still hasn't recovered. It's still in in shambles. This president still hasn't done what he should do for our fellow citizens in Puerto Rico. Yes, they are American citizens. But, you know, rather than offering comfort, rather than saying the federal government will be there with you, no matter what happens, you could count on us. No, the president got into a Twitter war with the mayor of San Juan. This president has a real hard time with women who reject him. The mayor of San Juan, the prime minister of Denmark. This is just in the last two weeks, right? The squad, any group of women who don't like him, he has a real hard time with it. Real, real hard time. Now, now, us New Yorkers understand why, right? We know what he built his image on for the last 40 years. We know all about it. We know why he doesn't like women who stand up to him. But the rest of the country, you know, might not be so keen to what's going on here. And the fragile psyche that is little Lord Falteroy, who is our president of the United States, it is a disgrace the way this man talks. And I know, I, I feel like I'm getting tired of saying it, but it's like every week there's there's a new low for this guy. You know, I'm going to talk in a little bit about, you know, the new policy the Trump administration snuck out last week regarding uh, immigrant children who are here um, to get medical treatment and how the president is now canceling the program that allows them to stay in the country while they receive medical treatment. Some of these people, this is a death, this is a death sentence to some of these kids. New low every week. I don't know how much lower he can get than killing kids. And, you know, I I talked last week about my experiences in the evangelical church. You know, many of those people are ardent, hardcore, right-to-lifers, anti-choice Americans. Now, uh, my question to you is, isn't it killing somebody? Isn't that bad? Like, if the president is going to cancel the visa of someone here getting life-saving treatment to the point where moving these people might cause them to die. 
isn't that just as bad as anything that you're fighting with in the choice fight? Isn't that isn't that worse than an abortion? I, I don't I don't know, man. I know that you know I've said this before, and I know a lot of my uh, progressive friends get mad at me when I say it. I'm pro-choice. I'm 100% pro-choice. I believe it's a woman's right. But reasonable people, reasonable people can disagree where life begins. There is no disagreement that these children getting medical treatment at our American hospitals are alive right now. And if their doctors say they are going to die if they are moved, and this president and Stevie Miller want them moved, that's killing them. Where are you? Are you going to stand up? Are you going to push back? Are you going to fight against that? Are you going to rally against that? Or is that just an, oh, well, oh, he gave us Justice Kavanaugh, who's going to end choice. So we're cool with it. What about this choice? What about these lives? Shouldn't they get to stay alive? Why? Because they were born somewhere else. They're here legally. They have permission to be here, which is being removed from them in 33 days. Ridiculous. And this country, you know, this president and the fools that work for him have no plan. They have no plan on how to deal with this. They actually just decided, you know, it was a USCIS issue. And USCIS, when asked about it, said, oh, no, it's ICE. And ICE, when asked about it, said, huh? Right. That's this administration in a nutshell. And now there are millions of Americans in the path of a hurricane. You think this guy has a plan? Let's say that hurricane churns up the entire eastern seaboard of the United States and knocks out power in nine states and and costs lives and all sorts of infrastructure destruction in nine states. You think this guy, you think the president is ready to, you think Donald Trump is ready to deal with it? Man, this guy is a national, national disaster. And God help us if we ever need him to truly lead in this country and solve a real national crisis. We have another mass shooting. I mean, look, this is just all in in the weekend that passed. This is over Labor Day weekend, sleepy Labor Day weekend, when we should all just be barbecuing and going to the beach and playing with our dogs. And all this happened, another shooting, hurricane, and the president, crickets. I had a conversation with a buddy at a barbecue over the weekend about how the president's bought and paid for by the NRA. And they're like, how could Donald Trump be bought and paid for? Well, looks like he's bought and paid for, right? He was all for tougher background checks and other controls, maybe even banning certain types of magazines. And then he talked to Wayne LaPierre. And now he's not. And yet we have another shooting in Texas where there are lax gun laws. And even the governor of Texas said, you know what? Maybe it's time for us to revisit our gun laws. Well, Mr. President, it's time. If you really, truly aren't bought by anybody, if you're really not owned by Wayne LaPierre and his fancy suits and his fancy shopping sprees, if you're really not owned by Wayne LaPierre and the NRA, now's your chance. Okay, do it now. Ask for Toomey Lathan to be be, uh, sent to you and ask for it. Toomey Mansion, sorry, Toomey Lathan. <laughs> Toomey Lathan's like a law firm here in New York. Ask for uh, Mansion to be sent to your desk. Little uh, background checks. Ask for an assault weapons ban, another AK-47 style rifle used in the shooting in Texas over the weekend. 
Ask for it. I mean, or, or are you bought? Like, because I know it's in your instinct politically to ask for those bills right now. I know in in your in that tiny little mind of yours, this makes sense. You've got a gut instinct about certain things. This makes sense to you. And it might even give you some cross-party appeal, something you've never done, never asked for, never sought. So let's see it. I'll tell you, man, a lot going on. Man, I'm just ranting here. And I, I really just wanted to open up this segment and then, you know, take a break and then do my bit about uh, uh, about the situation uh, with the president um, recalling the visas of these children who are in hospitals, which just last week when I read that story in the New York Times made me sick, made me sick to my stomach. And it should make every single one of us sick to our stomachs. Have you no sense of decency at long last, sir? But there's just so much going on all the time. Welcome to September, America. It's going to be one to remember. It is crazy though, right? All right, when I get back, uh, I'm going to talk to Amber Athey. She, Athey. she is from the Daily Caller. And she wrote an article about the Knights of Columbus. And a lot of problems going on there that uh, I think you're going to want to hear about. It's it's interesting. It's um, it's very interesting. You know what's most interesting to me is that the Daily Caller and BuzzFeed are on the same story, on the same side of it. I mean, the Daily Caller tends to be a more conservative uh, online magazine, and uh, we all know that BuzzFeed tends to be all over the map, but mostly progressive. So um, to see them both writing about the same organization in the same way, basically in... in, in violent agreement uh is hey america christopher hahn here the aggressive progressive podcast what is with the president and the right-wing echo chamber encouraging these astroturf protests against stay-at-home orders around the country it's ridiculous and it needs to stop check out the aggressive progressive podcast wherever you download podcasts I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, COVID continues to reshape the law. Supreme Court arguments will be held by teleconference. The justices won't even know if the lawyers are wearing pants, which is fair given the eternal mystery of what's under those black robes. Los Angeles County is springing 25% of its inmates. The sheriff suggests folks get ready for what might be a spike in crime. Check it all out on the next episode of Too Many Lawyers. It's an amazing thing. So I got Amber Athey joining me on the other side of this break. So stay where you're at. Joining me now, Amber Athey. She is the White House correspondent for the Daily Caller. And, you know, it caught my attention this week that both the Daily Caller and BuzzFeed, two diametrically opposed websites, are reporting the same thing about the same organization. And there is trouble at the Knights of Columbus. And Amber, how are you doing? Thanks you for joining th- joining the show tonight. I'm doing well, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. So, you know, what turned you on to this story? I, I want to go through the story and the facts on what's going on there because I find it I find it intriguing. I, I mean, it, you know, the fact that, that these two, you know, a liberal outlet and a conservative outlet are both covering the same story in the same way, you know, that catches my attention, if nothing else. But how did you, you get turned on to this? And, and, and tell me about it. Yeah, well, so I'm a conservative Catholic, and I've uh, known about the Knights of Columbus since I was in college at Georgetown University, so I'm pretty familiar with the organization. I know a lot of people who are members, and I first heard about the lawsuit uh, back in January, and so I've been following the case ever since then. 
just keeping an eye on developments and doing some investigating and uh, recently came across some what I would consider some ethically questionable lobbying contracts. And my thought was, if I'm a Catholic and I'm a member of this organization, I'm paying dues to the the board of uh, executives, then I would want to know if my money was going um, to people who were potentially uh, engaging in corruption or self-dealing or um, engaging in nepotism. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, and I I see this, that the president or the, what do they call him, the Grand Knight of the Knights of Columbus. The Supreme Knight. The Supreme Knight of the the Knights of Columbus. I can't call him the Grand Knight. That would be bad, right? Uh, The Supreme (laughs) Knight, which is their, basically their CEO, as you describe in your article. He was, he hired a lobbying firm that his son was employed at for double the amount that he was hiring his previous lobbying firm. And the only thing that was different about that lobbying firm was that his son worked there. Right. And it's actually a little bit deeper than that because they paid them more money for less work. So the first lobbying firm that they employed in 2015, and this was for comparison's sake in my article, they paid them $80,000 for a full year of lobbying work. So in each quarter of the year, uh, this firm conducted lobbying activity on the Knights of Columbus's behalf. Now, in 2017, they contracted with this new firm, uh, which employed Supreme Knight Carl Anderson's son, also named Carl Anderson. Right. They paid them $100,000 throughout the year, but they only completed six months of uh, reported lobbying activity. So half of the work for more money. Wow. Now, and for those of you who are concerned here now, we, we know that when, when the Knights of Columbus lobby, it's mostly on judicial nominees, particularly conservative judicial nominees. They were very active in the Kavanaugh hearings. We know that, uh, you know, trying to support, I guess, a fellow Catholic, somebody who shared a lot of their views on choice and other things. So, you know, to see a conservative magazine like the Daily Caller questioning some of their expenditures, you know, that says a whole lot to me. Now, I also see that they have an issue with their insurance, with the, they sell life insurance, because obviously the Knights of Columbus, you know, for those of us who grew up on Long Island, you know, we all knew about the Knights of Columbus Hall. We would all go to, you know, weddings and sweet 16s there uh, as a kid. And, um, you know, it, it was a place where that was great. And a lot of great things happened with the Knights of Columbus. I'm not, you know, I don't want to denigrate that organization at all. Uh, I don't agree with some of their political stances they take, but I think that they do a lot of good work in the community. Uh, I'm an Italian American, and I know they do a lot of stuff to bolster Italian Americans around this country as well as uh, as well. But uh, but their membership is dwindling, and to try to make ends meet, they have been doing things like selling life insurance. and And what what do you know about what's going on there? I see that that seems to be uh, questionable as well. Right. So the lawsuit uh, that's been recently reported on by BuzzFeed News, as you mentioned. Um, is about a contract dispute. And the allegation within is that this uh, IT firm that the Knights of Columbus hired um, to do work for them believed that they uncovered uh, this uh, evidence of insurance fraud. Um, and then they believe that the Knights of Columbus ended the contract because uh, of their discovery. And what they discovered was that uh, the Knights of Columbus were allegedly inflating their membership numbers in the hopes of getting higher insurance ratings so then, of course, they would be able to sell more insurance, ch- charge higher premiums, and make up some of the lost funds from their lacking membership. And as you know, Chris, uh, their membership is largely over the age of 60, and especially right. the people who buy insurance. And for the longevity of an organization, what's really important is being able to bring in newer, younger members. Um, so it stands to reason 
that they would have an incentive to be boosting these uh, numbers of the dues-paying members in order to get up those insurance uh, premiums. Wow, it's crazy. So what's what's going on there? Like this guy, Carl, uh, I, I'm forget, I'm dropping his name here. He has been at the head of the Knights of Columbus for a while now. Is that correct? That's correct. And he previously uh, worked at the Bank of the Vatican as well. So this guy, you know, he's been around and he used to be an aide to Jesse Helms. Now, you know, the Knights of Columbus in the 60s were a, uh, were very much involved with civil rights. They marched with Martin Luther King. They were right there beside him. Uh, Jesse Helms obviously did not march with Martin Luther King. Uh, and, you know, as recently as last year, uh, this Supreme Knight, we might as well call him the Grand Knight, was praising Jesse Helms. Uh, it's, 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 it's amazing to me uh, that that would happen in that organization. Well, I certainly can't speak to uh, Carl Anderson's views on race or civil rights or anything of that sort. But what I can tell you is that members of the organization are certainly concerned with the places that he's taken the Knights of Columbus and particularly how he's turned it into this more swampy organization that's really interested in lobbying on political issues and doesn't seem to be as concerned about its membership. Um, And if we are talking about alleged insurance fraud uh, that occurred within this organization, that means taking advantage of elderly people who are largely buying into these premiums. Right. And yeah, so that, I mean, that's a, a really problematic allegation there. So is the board doing anything about it? I mean, obviously this guy is, I, I, you know, he's been there a long time. So when you're entrenched like that, you tend to uh, control your board a little bit more than you should. But they do have a board of directors. Uh, and, and are they taking any action? Are they looking into this? My understanding is that the board of directors is largely on board with the way that Anderson has been running the organization. And I did reach out to the Knights of Columbus after I discovered these lobbying contracts. And I specifically asked them who on the board approved this. Uh, were, were there any questions raised about the fact that the Supreme Knight's son was getting a great deal out of this? He became a chief lobbyist for the Knights under right. the contract, by the way. Uh, and they refused to answer my questions about that. Wow. Wow. Did they respond at all to your article or, or was this just? So <laughs> they uh, did not initially respond to my request for comment. And it wasn't until uh, at least 12 hours after my article was published that they sent a generic statement my way talking about um, the integrity of Van Skoyak, uh, the uh, lobbying firm, and the work that they did on behalf of Knights of Columbus. But they did not at all address the core allegation of my reporting which was, of course, the allegation of self-dealing with the involvement of Anderson's son. That's amazing. Well, between the self-dealing and the insurance fraud, I would think that, that the, their next board meeting uh, should be a fun one, don't you think? I mean, it should be one where this guy's got some, ex- sure. <laughs> he's got some explaining to do here. But it is rare. I, I can't think of another case, uh, at least recently, where BuzzFeed and the Daily Caller are on the same page when it comes to an organization. <laughs> so that is, I mean, that's one for the record books. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad uh, this was brought to my attention because I really, you know, reading into it. And look, I think of the Knights of Columbus, I just think about my youth growing up on Long Island and, and you know, going to pasta parties at the Knights of Columbus Hall or going to events at the Knights of Columbus Hall. It, it's and, it, and and there are fewer and fewer of those halls around because there are fewer and fewer people joining those kinds of fraternal organizations, which is probably why they are in such trouble. Yeah. And here's the problem, Chris. This reflects poorly on the membership, which is completely unfair because these are good people who donate a lot of their time and a lot of their money to charity. 
hundreds of millions of dollars a year from the Knights of Columbus chapters. Yeah. And when they're and when the executive leadership are facing these allegations, then that's uh, going to make the members look bad. And that's unfair to them. They shouldn't have to deal with that. And by the way, as a Catholic, let me just say that this uh, willingness to ignore problems within our own institutions is exactly what got us into, tr- into trouble with the sex abuse among priests. Right. And I would think that Catholics would be would learn their lesson from that incident and be more willing to look inward and clean out our own institutions at the risk of falling into the same trap again, rather than trying to silence whistleblowers. Well, that's a it's a very strong statement, Amber, and I, and I, I can't say I disagree with it at all. I think it's it's it, you're absolutely right. I mean, I'm a lapsed Catholic, but I did just go to the Vatican uh, last two weeks ago. Uh, but it, it's uh, it is a it's a uh, it's an amazing place. If you haven't been there, go. Uh, it, it's uh, you, you make a very strong point, and I wonder if the membership is even aware of what's going on there. They probably aren't. I oh, one question about the organization. Is the Knights of Columbus a national organization, or are the chapters independent of the national, and they just pay dues into the national? It depends on the chapter. So it's a chapter by chapter. So some of the chapters are more independent. Yeah, so some of them are more independent than others. Um, But in order to be a member in good standing, you do have to pay dues to the national organization. Right. So I wonder if these chapters are going to start seeing these articles and maybe start asking questions and maybe— Well, Chris— one of one of the chapter's Twitter accounts actually shared the BuzzFeed News article uh, on Twitter. Wow, was it a big chapter? I hope it was. Uh, I it didn't get very many very much engagement, but the fact that it was shared at all, I think, is pretty stunning. Interesting. So I, you know, that's the thing. I, and maybe at their next, I'm sure they have annual conventions of where all the chapters come together. And uh, maybe at their next convention, I'm sure you'll be there, Amber. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think at their next convention meeting. Uh, this should be addressed, and uh, maybe uh, the the Supreme Knight doesn't survive the next chapter meeting. Yeah, we'll see. I I would uh, bet that if individual chapters, if more of them knew about this, they would certainly be asking questions of their national leadership. Excellent. Well, maybe you should reach out to some of the larger ones. I think that would be a great place to start, and you know, see if you can get these people uh, informed because maybe they just don't know. I mean, you know, I completely who, agree. who knows, you know, that the the Supreme, I mean, I didn't know this until you wrote the article. The article just came out. So, I mean, you know, how do they know that this guy's self-dealing and, you know, put that on top of the insurance issue. And I think people are going to start asking questions about, you know, whether he's the right guy to lead this organization and maybe they'll make some changes. Anyway, I'm talking to Amber Athey. She is a White House correspondent for The Daily Caller. She's got a great article out. What's the name of the article? Uh, well, it has several different headlines, but <laughs> it's uh, the, the gist of it is that the Knights of Columbus uh, gave lucrative lo- a lobbying contract to Supreme Knight's son. There you go. Check her out on the Daily Caller. Go to at Amber Athey on Twitter to, to follow I, at Amber underscore Athey. And I follow her now. So if you go to my Twitter feed, uh, you could check her out over there. All right, Amber, let's just talk a little bit. I've got about seven minutes left with you. Let's talk a little politics because you do follow politics. I mean, that's your thing. And I, you know, oh, I think course. at some point you and I have been in the same green room, but maybe we didn't talk to each <laughs> other because we didn't know we were on the air together. I don't know. Or we weren't on the <laughs> air together. Uh, but uh, 2020 is coming up. Uh, 10 people left in the Democratic field in this debate. What are you expecting from this? I mean, 10 is a lot of people on one stage, right? It is. And I mean, this was generally what happened in the last two debates. You had two nights with uh, 10 people each. And you start to see 
in my opinion, how the media tends to start to pick its winners and losers by how much speaking time they give the different candidates. Yeah. So for, I mean, I saw an interesting press release today from Andrew Yang's campaign that uh, found out that he was one of the top five most Googled uh, Democratic presidential candidates uh, and one of the highest trending, and yet he received the uh, least amount of speaking time in that last CNN debate. So uh, it seems right now that the top contenders for the media are the are Warren and Harris and Biden. Um, so you should expect to see those people, of course, attacking each other as they did in the last debate. But without Tulsi Gabbard, uh, it's a, there's an open question about who is going to hammer Kamala Harris over her uh, time as a California AG apparently um, not doing a very good job with criminal justice reform. Well, I wonder, you know, like, I wonder if there's going to be as much attacking as you think, right? I don't think that Harris and uh, Biden and Warren and even Bernie are going to be the ones attacking. I think the people on the ends of the stage have to do the attacking because they are in danger of kind of fading into oblivion, right? I think that, you know, if Amy Klobuchar wants to stick around, she's got to score some points. And the only way she's going to score some points is by attacking somebody and taking the points from them. So I would imagine that, you know, Klobuchar or, or, or somebody on the other end of the spectrum, maybe even Andrew Yang, it'd be hard, funny to see him attack. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would do that. Uh, <laughs> no, he's um, but, you know, Castro uh, has been known to throw a jab here or there. And, and I got to mm-hmm. tell you, I'm interested to see Beto O'Rourke in this debate because I, I don't think he did very well in the first two debates. But I do think the last couple of weeks since the shooting in his hometown, I think he's caught a little fire. And uh, interesting. I'd be interested to see if he takes that fire with him into the debate. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think he definitely got steamrolled during the first two debates. Um, he struggled to answer for, for some of his political positions. He came off as unprepared, definitely inexperienced. Um, but one thing that I'm looking at as well, Chris, is that in the last debate, you really saw the last stand of the moderate wing of the Democratic Party. You had John Delaney and Tim Ryan throwing jabs at the people at the center of the stage who have embraced more progressive policies and identity politics. Uh, and those uh, candidates will no longer be on the debate stage. So now uh, the debate has necessarily shifted more to the left. Well, more I mean, you still have Amy Klobuchar, you have Joe Biden, who are definitely moderates. And Joe Biden is, you know, far and away well, the front Biden, right, runner. Well, Joe Biden supports giving uh, health care to illegal immigrants, so I'm not sure how well, I think, moderate he really I, is I think anymore. that most Democrats support a realistic approach to health care, right? Uh, illegal immigrants, people here, people who are here legally or illegally, if they get sick, they're going to go to a hospital and they're going to get treated. So why, like, look the other way? Why not just say, okay, we've got a problem here. Let's address the problem. And I think that there's a realism problem in politics. We all know that hospitals don't turn away people who need care. So rather than have people go to emergency rooms where the cost is triple, maybe even quadruple, when they could just go to a clinic and get a shot, um, you know, I think that's the Democratic approach. I think that's why everybody on that stage and even the people who say they don't support health care for uh, people who are here undocumented really do support health care for people undocumented. They just don't want to pay for it realistically. Well, the other issue is that it incentivizes further illegal immigration. No, it doesn't. The, no, it doesn't. How would it not? If you if you know you can come to the United States illegally and get well, you know, you can come to you know, you know, you could come to a hospital in the United States and get free health care now anyway. 
Are we going to stop treating? The, I mean, are, are we going to stop? But Amber, are we going to start? Are we going to stop treating people in emergency care? You know, it's not. Are we? Are we going to stop treating people in emergency rooms? That would be illegal. Right. So, in if you live in a foreign country and you know you get sick and you could go to an emergency room in the United States, why would having, uh, you know, filling out a form and applying for health care change your, you know, motivate you any more than what you can already do? I so that because it's, so that's it's it's flawed logic to me because we already have healthcare accessibility to anyone who's you know, here. You know that there is a big difference between walking into a hospital and waiting three hours to be treated at a, a very high wait time, very high cost, right. if you don't have insurance, right. as compared to if you are given a health insurance plan that covers all of your visits where you can I, have a, uh, a Amber, doctor. I'm going to be in violent, I'm going to be in violent agreement with you. I absolutely know there is a difference. The difference is four times the price. So here in the United States, if you really are a fiscal conservative, you want to do things cheaper. And if we already allow people to get the care, why don't we do it the cheapest possible way by letting them just go to a clinic and get the care than having to go to the emergency room? I got furious last week. You know, I'll tell you a personal story. My my father-in-law got sick in a restaurant and they rushed him to the emergency room where they should have just took him to his doctor. He was there for four hours. It's ridiculous. It is, it's, you know, in this country, we have to start doing reality-based planning. And unfortunately, the politics has has gotten into it. And there's too much demagoguery about who's here legally and who's here illegally. Why don't we figure out a way to fix the healthcare system so that people don't have to wait in a, in a hospital for four hours, not just illegal immigrants, but Americans without healthcare who sit in a hospital for four hours. Let's give them healthcare, save some money because the hospitals are paying for it out of their pockets and it's raising all of our insurance premiums and some of the money's going right back to the taxpayer. Amber, I'm running out of time with you. Sorry, I just filibustered. Oh, no. <laughs> but this has been fun. See, it's good. It has, you know, <laughs> we really shifted topics. I love it. We did, and it's good. Well, you know, like that's that's what we do here at the Chris Hahn Show. We try to keep people moving, keep on keep them on their toes. So, <laughs> keep them on their toes. That's exactly. <laughs> so, with the thirty seconds left, I have with you. Where can people find you? What do you want them to know? Yeah, people can find me on Twitter at amber underscore ap. They can read my work at thedailycaller.com. And they should also follow the Steamboat Institute, where I'm a Tony Blankley fellow. There you go. Amber Athey, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I don't always have a lot of conservatives on. Uh, but look, you're, you're, you know that story you're doing on the Knights of Columbus is an important story. And there are a lot of good people in the Knights of Columbus. And they need to know what's going on in their leadership so maybe they can change it. So thank you for doing that reporting. Well, I'm honored to be one of the few conservatives on your show. Thanks for having me, Chris. <laughs> Thanks for being here. All right. That's Amber. Uh, pretty good, right? I mean, look, these conservatives with this uh, health care is just socialism. And then I say, hey, we already give everybody health care. Why don't we just figure out a realistic way to pay for it? And they're like, uh, 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 ah. I guess they don't have a real answer for when reality is thrown at their face. Democrats have to just stop saying, we're not socialists. You got to just start saying, guys, we already have this. We already pay for it. We pay four times as much as we should for it. Let's figure out a way to pay less and save the American people some money. And don't forget the president is a socialist. Look what he's doing. All right, I'll be right back. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that situation with the president trying to throw sick kids out of America. Stay where you are. You listen to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. I've got to start with the Trump administration's latest cruelty towards immigrants. In America, this is towards legal immigrants, people who are here legally, but who are not yet citizens. And most importantly, 
This is towards children. America, the president is sending letters to families of immigrant children who are here under what is called a medical deferment visa, that that program will be discontinued in 33 days. And many of these children are receiving life-saving medical care in United States hospitals. And the president has decided to pull the plug. Now, I know that there are a lot of people who support the president because of his um, newfound religion, particularly his newfound religion on choice. Now, if you're one of these people who tell me you're a right to lifer, and you're going to stand idly by as the president of the United States, who you support, who you put in the White House, who you continue to build up and say you like in the polls, and you're going to stand idly by while this president tells children who are dying in U.S. hospitals of receiving life-saving care for diseases like leukemia, MLS, muscular dystrophy. I, 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 the list is, is you know, I, when I saw this story last night and then saw more of it today, I'm appalled. I mean, the cruelty of this administration has no bounds. These people are not here illegally. Now, you know, for those of you who are thinking about, you know, yelling at me that this is, oh, these are illegal aliens. No, Uh uh-uh. These people are here under a program that allows them to be here or extend their stay because of this medical condition. And for some reason, the president or his, you know, lackeys, Stephen Miller probably, decided that Let's start sending letters to these families who are already going through a trying time because their children are sick. And let's tell them to get out of the country, which for some of these kids, many of these kids from what I'm reading, could be a death sentence. The care that they are getting is right here in the United States. And quite frankly, the disruption in care that would be caused by their immediately immediately being removed from this country would be devastating to those families. So I'm begging you, if you are a supporter of this president who believes in life, you need to call him up because this isn't, you know, this isn't some uh, uh, theoretical discussion we're having. Right now, I get it. I know. I know a lot of people who are right to life. And I don't think they're bad people. And they believe with all their heart that abortion is murder. I disagree with them. And I think that reasonable people could disagree on that. I think that reasonable people can disagree when life begins. But you cannot disagree that the children at Boston Children's Hospital who the President of the United States sent letters to telling them to leave this country are alive. They are lives in being right now. This is not a theoretical conversation. The President is telling living human beings, get out of here. And that decision is going to cost some of them their lives.
Where are you, evangelical Christians? Crickets. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm, gonna, I'm speaking to you, Franklin Graham. I'm speaking to you. If you do not call this out for what it is, abject cruelty, you are a hypocrite. And you are going to burn in hell. I rebuke you. I am speaking directly to you. Mike Pence. Holier than thou, Mike Pence. Who, you know, somehow tried to make it seem like Obama was trying to get rid of the Bible somehow, which he never did. In fact, he quoted from it better than the current president. When he quoted uh, 2 Corinthians, he didn't call it 2 Corinthians. I'm looking at you. You know who you are. You know who you are, Pat Robinson. All you other fakes. All you other phonies out there who, you know, claim to support this president because of some religious fervor and mostly because of the choice issue. Let's be clear. This guy is telling immigrants, get out of this country, go die. Some of these kids are going to just die because they're being moved. He is going to take away their right to be here. He is putting more stress on what is already a stressful situation for both the kids who are being treated and their families. How much crueler can you be? How much, how low can this president go? Where does it stop? Where is the point where people who I believe are good people in their heart of hearts stand up to this guy and say enough's enough? When is that going to happen? I I get it that for some reason there's a portion of this country that gets off on the cruelty leveled at uh, at people of color. Let's Let's be clear. Particularly poor immigrant people of color. Latinos, Africans, Asians, anybody coming here from a place that's not white. They get off on it. I get it. But they're people. They're lives. They're human beings who are suffering. Who are sick. When is Matthew 25 going to be part of this You know, new prosperity gospel being preached by Franklin Graham and others. Hypocrites. Evil men, frankly. You know, I think Jesus would have called them Pharisees and the doctors of the law. Because that's what they are. And they are propping up this president and his cruel policies at the expense of of their believers' souls. Because this is disgusting. This is not who America is. This is something else. This is something else completely. Now, I don't know. You know, you want to fight with me about a wall? You want to fight with me about immigration reform? You want to talk about those things? I'm all for it. But man, you are pulling the visas, 
from kids in hospitals. You are ending the program that allows sick children to stay in this country while they're being treated. You are basically signing their death warrants. Whose idea was this, Mr. President? Was this your idea? Well, let me explain something to you. I don't care whose idea it was. It's your administration. It's your fault. It's your call. Now, I get it. At some point in Stephen Miller's fragile youth, he was hurt by somebody, probably a Latina woman, I'm guessing, or maybe a guy. I don't know. And he has been writing these policies ever since. I mean, how can anybody who grew up in Southern California be so angry? Have you ever been to Southern California? 340 days of sunshine, low humidity. I, I, I don't know. Santa Monica? He grew up in Santa Monica. Have you ever been to Santa Monica? How could you be so angry growing up in Santa Monica? I've been there, man. I've been there twice. It's lovely. It's a beautiful place. Absolutely beautiful place with beautiful people. And it is a very multiracial part of the country. And there are a lot of Latinos and Latinas living there. So I'm wondering what happened to Stephen Miller when he was a kid that he is still carrying with him and then facing policies of the United States of America based on his fragile psyche and the President of the United States allowing it. How long before somebody says, have you no sense of decency, sir, at long last? Is this not an all-time low? How much lower can it get? How much more cruel can it get? How much more are you going to tolerate in your name, America? Moreover, evangelicals who support him at a very high rate, white evangelicals, I should say, who support him at a very high rate, how much longer before you say that which you do unto the least of them, you do unto Christ? How much longer? How are you going to pretend to be a Christian and support this man? When he's doing things like this, in your name, in our name, in the name of the United States of America, the most powerful, wealthiest nation in the history of this planet, and we have a president of the United States who thinks it's okay to tell sick sick kids to go home, go home, where they might not even have a home. This might be their home at this point. And by telling them to go home, you are telling them to die. You're killing them in the name of the United States of America. Uh, Is that cool by anybody? I mean, I, I I don't see a lot of people reaching out to support this policy. Tell me why this president is right for this. Like This is the right thing to do. It's a horror show. It's an absolute horror show. By the way, when the president's administration was asked about it, because this came, a letter came from USCIS, USCIS said, no, we're canceling the program. Now ICE is taking up the program. ICE had no idea what they were talking about in the news reports I've seen. 
The administration has no plan for anything. We have a president who is an absentee. You know, he's skipping a trip to Poland this weekend because there's a hurricane coming. He might as well go to Poland. What do we need him here for? What is he going to do? Throw paper towels at Florida? I, I, I don't understand how he has 40% support in this country right now. I don't understand how his support is as high as it is. And I get it. He's going to demonize whoever comes out of the Democratic primary. And I hear the I hear the nonsense already from my uh, right-leaning friends. Not people who I know who are professional right-leaning friends, but my right-leaning friends who aren't professional politicians. Well, all the, all the Democratic candidates stink. No, they don't. Every single one of them, even the crazy ones, would be a better president than Donald Trump. Every single one of them. This president has no intellectual curiosity. He hires evil, crazy people who are sycophants to him to run his country. Anybody who is an adult in the administration left. General Mattis, God, I wish he was still there. I, 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 I'm not going to take that. I'm not going to have that conversation with you. They all stink. They don't all stink. They're all better. They're all better than him. Every single one of them. Even uh, Miriam Williamson, who I would never vote for, but she'd be a better president and a better choice than Donald Trump. At least she'd care about people. At least she'd have some compassion and some grace. I couldn't see Marion Williamson tweeting bad things about Puerto Rico as a hurricane is bearing down on Puerto Rico, which is part of the United States of America, Mr. President, just in case you forgot. I couldn't see her doing that. So, you know, spare me the Republican right-wing talking points about Democratic candidates when you talk to me. For those of you who are going to tweet at me or call into my radio show or send me a message on the podcast, I spare me. I don't need the right-wing talking points. You know, I keep having the same debate every week. They, you know, they want to have this debate about Trump versus somebody in the squad. And I, I have to remind whoever I'm up against that the members of the squad are first-term members of the House of Representatives. And Donald Trump is the president of the United States. Whose words matter most? The president of the United States. In a big way. You know, when AOC becomes Speaker of the House, and I'm not saying she won't be Speaker of the House. I think AOC is a star. I think she's got a lot of big ideas. Most of which won't come to fruition. But some of them are pretty good. And, you know, usually when people throw out big ideas in Congress, somebody says, yeah, you know, I get it. We have a climate change issue. Your Green New Deal might move too fast for America. Here's my idea. No, now we just demagogue against it. Now we just demonize and say she's a socialist. She's coming to to get you. Meanwhile, the president of the United States himself is a communist. He has ordered businesses to stop dealing with countries. That is, by definition, communism. That is the state 
intervening in a market. How is that worse? How is that better than a slightly marginal, higher marginal tax rate so we could pay for health care? That's the only thing you know about socialism is if the government provides you health care, you're a socialist. That doesn't seem so bad to me, actually. In fact, a lot of people in this country are on government health care, Medicare, Medicaid, the VA. That's government health care. That's socialism. A lot of people who hate socialism cash their Social Security check every single month because that's socialism. Uh, They are also cashing their pension checks every month. A lot of people who hate socialism. Pensions are kind of socialism, too. Especially if they're government pensions. So spare me. Spare me the right-wing talking points. I don't want to hear them. I don't care about them. They're wrong. Tell me why the president deserves re-election because I don't think he does. I think this country is done with him. He's cruel for cruelty's sake. He is going to send sick kids out of this country for no reason. For no reason. They're here legally. They're part of a program that lets them stay here. He's pulling the rug out from under them just to be cruel, just to rile up his base. Horrible. Completely disgusting, right? Absolutely immoral and disgusting. Well, let's hope that people wise up, right? Well, I got to remind you once again tonight to seek the truth. Question everything and everyone, America, even me. Seek the truth. I know it's out there, and I know you'll find it if you look for it hard enough. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast.